MPN Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the MPN Hub Podcast. Today we'll be speaking to Steering Committee members Laura Michaels from Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, US, and Tiziano Barbui from Papa Giovanni XXIII Hospital in Bergamo, Italy. So I'm Dr. Laura Michaels. I'm Tiziano Barbui. Dr. Barbui and I had the honor of being part of the Texas Virtual MPM Workshop. Tiziano, it was a great program, I thought. Um, I was particularly interested to hear about the data out of your center in Italy. Perhaps you could summarize a little bit about the key takeaways of um, your registry of patients. You know that uh, here in Italy, the epicenter, the coronavirus pandemic officially began in uh, Europe uh, in uh, February 2020. And the pandemic was, uh, the epicenter of the pandemic was here in northern Italy, particularly in uh, Bergamo. Uh, it, during uh, the month uh, February and March, we saw 4,000 patients with the COVID here in the hospital right. with a great mortality because the mortality was about 30%. People, after crossing the door of our casualty department of the emergency department, some of them die immediately after crossing, say, the door. Right. So it was a terrible period for us at that moment. At the same time, I got COVID as well. Oh. So during, during my disease, I was thinking about how to help my patients with maloproliferative neoplasms. Maybe, you know, I'm uh, one of the responsible of the European Leukemia Net working package uh, on MPN. So I decided uh, to launch a study in, wow. uh, in uh, Europe. And actually, I asked also some uh, American centers to come to, to join us uh, in this. So at the end, uh, we collected uh, 180 patients with MPN, distributed uh, uh, 30% for ET, MPN, and amylofibrosis. That is, that this is the largest series of patients with MPN observed with COVID. Right. And so, I would imagine there would have been relatively uniform management since most of them were from Italy. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Most of them, they come from uh, Italy, but also Spain, UK, France, Germany, and Poland. So in many centers, we had uh, 38 centers wow. okay. join us with this. So we established a CRF, well established, and they completed uh, the CRF 
And I submitted just in these days the results to a journal for, for publication. Right. So what we have seen is that <clears throat> since one of your questions was whether MPM patient had a greater risk to get COVID, this is one question. I can say that we couldn't answer this question because you need controls for answering this question. Of course, right. But, but we can say something about the serum positivity antibodies of that. Actually, what we know for COVID patients in general, for instance, here in my hospital, the personnel of my hospital presents the serum positivity in spite of the fact they had not a COVID manifested the phenotype of the uh -huh. disease. And the proportion of the positivity of serum in uh, well patients, they stay well, is uh, 20, 25%. Really? In some areas of our, uh, of our territory, the inhabitants of Bergamo and the surrounding uh, small villages and the cities is about one million people. There are some places where the positivity reaches 50, 60 percent. Wow, so a lot of asymptomatic people become antibiotic. Yes, asymptomatic people but positive in serum tests. So then the people who get, who have both MPNs and contract coronavirus, was their death rate, what was the um, case fatality rate in that population? Yes, this is a great question. It depends, you know, the rate of a mortality is different according to the month where pandemic developed. If you consider February, March, and April, this is the, the, the maximum of a mortality. Then things were getting better in terms of mortality for several reasons, several reasons. But uh, during the period of uh, our uh, study, it means our study started in February and we collected the patients until June. So four months, say, roughly. In this four months, the mortality of patients with MPN globally is, was 25%. That corresponds to the mortality in our hospital. That is a typical hospital where the, well, the mortality was particularly elevated. But overall, for instance, in Italy and in Spain, that are the major two contributors of our MPN patients, 
the mortality was ranging from 10 to 15 percent. So the mortality overall is higher in MPM, but is extremely higher in metal fibrosis. Right. It, it reaches up to 50 percent, five or 50 percent. So there must be great. there must be a, a wide range of contributing factors. So one thing I think your data illustrates beautifully is the effect of flattening the curve. When an uh, entire city is overrun and the hospitals are overrun, the case fatality rate for all populations goes up, right? Yes, yes. And so that's very illustrative. The other thing it tells us is that patients with myelofibrosis have the kind of other comorbidities that make Absolutely. this kind of viral infection much more dangerous. Absolutely. Uh, we did a multivariable analysis to see which factors could have uh, an impact on mortality independently. So in multivariable analysis. And we did also a propensity score analysis to see the impact of drugs that could have been an impact on the mortality of these patients. Concerning the multivariable analysis, age is important. Of course. And you know, the median age of patients with MPN is 65, 70. So age is an important risk factor for mortality, first. Second, the gender, male, is another point that should be considered. But what was with the highest hazard ratio was for the need of oxygen support. Mm -hmm. If you need a respiratory device that is typical of intensive care unit, the mortality is particularly elevated. 100%, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Now, what about your myelofibrosis patients? Exactly, and in multivariable analysis, among the four uh, diseases, because we consider essential thrombocytemia, polycythemia vera, prefibrotic myelofibrosis, and overt myelofibrosis. The, the only independent risk factors of this were, was myelofibrosis, only myelofibrosis. So, so it means, about, yes. What about your patients who were on ruxolitinib? Did that modify their risks at all? Yes, this is a great question because ruxolitinib has a major role in, uh, in these diseases. You know that one of the main pathogenetic factors that can explain the aggressiveness of MPN is the inflammatory status of these diseases. 
And you know that many cancer, uh, the pathogenesis is linked to the inflammatory uh, cytokines that can increase the clonality and the clonal cells with this disease. This uh, is uh, also the case for MPNs. So a patient with MPN presents uh, at the baseline, apart from uh, having or not COVID disease, they present a high number, high concentration of cytokines in the blood. When a patient gets uh, ruxolitinib, we observed that the cytokine goes go down and you decrease the inflammatory status as demonstrated with a simple test. The CRP, for instance, C-reactive protein goes down. Well, when a patient gets a COVID, the inflammation is the maximum. So you can consider the COVID disease as an hyperinflammatory disease and many problems, many complications in these patients are referred to the inflammation. For instance, cardiovascular thrombosis and many other. So also you can have sudden death due to hyperinflammation. So imagine a patient with myelofibrosis who is a, a patient at the baseline with an inflammatory uh, process going on. He gets, a, he gets a COVID. So at this point, if the patient discontinue an inflammatory anti-inflammatory drug such as ruxolitinib inflammation there is a a, a, break, a storm of this uh, this uh, cytokines and we observe the mortality an association with the mortality right, right. so the message for doctors is be careful follow your patient when he is in the hospital with the COVID or at home, be aware that this patient should continue ruxolitinib. Absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, we know that there is a syndrome, a discontinuation ruxolitinib syndrome, you know. This applies to all patients of ruxolitinib. If a patient uh, terminate, suddenly terminate the ruxolitinib, you have a cytokine storm. Right. They, they go very elevated. And you can die from that. Absolutely. I tell my patients that taking ruxolitinib is sort of like taking a beach ball and pushing it under the water. And if you take your hand away, that beach ball goes up. It goes up above the water. And um, the, 
when we, these patients have coronavirus, taking away that dampening effect suddenly is only going to amplify what's already being spurred on by the virus. Exactly, exactly. And uh, we observed this both in multivariable analysis and also in a propensity score analysis. Fascinating. So, so you've submitted this data and uh, for review. So we should be seeing a publication in the next several months, one would expect, out of Italy? Yes, I think in a month we Fabulous. can have the data. Fabulous. I have to say that this uh, study was uh, a ELN study, European European study, but uh, is also endorsed by the European Hematology Association and also by the Harmony platform that is a platform that collects all the data just to have a platform for big data analysis at That's, the end. This at is where end. we're going to learn so much, not only for coronavirus, but also for other pandemics that arrive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So thank you so much for the time today and going over everything and um, reviewing this. I'm glad you got better from coronavirus, thank goodness. Thank you. Thank right. you, Laura. Good to see good, you. Good to see you. Bye-bye. Bye. MPN Hub Podcasts. Brought to you by Scientific Education Support.